Behind the Herald Headlines with Darren Mann. Behind the Herald Headlines with Darren Mann, indeed. Recent high-profile and violent killings in Kabecha of mother of three, Jacqueline Leander in Algoa Park, and physiotherapist Marilyn Schmidt in Richmond Hill, were just brought into more stark and brutal light by the fact that it is Women's Month. Marilyn Schmidt, in fact, killed by an intruder at her home on Women's Day itself, the 9th of August. The scourge of gender-based violence remains. What has not yet been tried to turn this deadly tide? Joining us now from Masamanyane Women's Rights International, we have Leslie Ann Foster. Thanks for your time, Leslie Ann. Society is not getting the message. What is going on? Yes, we are very concerned, uh, particularly we note as an organization that there's always a crease in the, an increase in the levels of femicide and rapes during August month. And our thinking is that this is, in a way, uh, a form of backlash against the initiatives that, um, you know, are coming into play to eradicate or at least reduce violence against women in our country. And so far, um, not many of the strategies that have been employed have been really successful. Uh, what is different that we have a national strategic plan on gender-based violence, which has set out six pillars. Um, that inform how prevention strategies and how support uh, strategies have to be implemented. Um, in the past, we've not linked, um, you know, the various aspects of that, that the, or the various drivers of violence against women together. So, for instance, we haven't looked at the economic challenges, um, you know, that communities face. We haven't looked at enough at uh, having a a national prevalence, prevalence study that gives us a clear picture on what's happening. Um, we have worked in silos around the issues of prevention, the issues of access to justice, and also the aspect of uh, response care and healing. What the National Strategic Plan does is bring together, it links all of those together to provide a comprehensive, all-of-society approach. Now, it's not working yet because the, the society as a whole needs to understand how that works. Um, and it's taken organizations like ourselves who've been in the sector for almost 30 years, um, you know, constant learning, constant analysis, constant review of the challenges and the gaps that exist to be able to come up with a comprehensive response. So this is why we see continued levels of violence. But um, on top of that, uh, what I've been looking at recently is that in all of the conversations we have, there's a call for working with men and boys. And we understand that call because the violence that women suffered is uh, perpetrated by some men in our society. And what I've come to understand is that the, the construct of masculinity in our country uh, has been uh, forged by the colonial uh, era, by apartheid, by militarization, um, and even the... Uh, you know, the sort of protests against apartheid have very really violent um, aspects to them. So all of those systems have had particular forms of, of violence, and that has been uh, carried over into the current context. 
And when we talk about work with men and boys, we have not analyzed that. We've not looked at the construct of patriarchy and the, and the construct of unhealthy masculinities um, that give rise to the violence in our society. So we don't have a comprehensive response to that. And the work that is being done by men and uh, by organizations working with men and boys fails to take that into account. It doesn't have that deep analysis and doesn't respond appropriately to, um, you know, the work that needs to be done with men and boys. So it's very superficial work that's done. And I think until we understand that that very deep work needs to happen, we will continue to see violence rising. But the, the, the good news is, and if one can call it that, given that there's so many, high, you know, high-level um, high levels of violence happening um, is that we have for the first time a comprehensive response. And I want to say while you've had, you've noted two high profile killings in Quebecha, I've just had uh, information that two women were shot dead in Willowvale in this stationary car, you know, yesterday a woman of 56 and another one of 46. And unfortunately, over the weekend, we had a 14-year-old girl that was raped and murdered, you know, in the Buffalo City area here, one of a few murders that have taken place. So there seems to be a real escalation of femicides that happen in August month, as well as, as issues of rape. Um, but the, this is definitely showing a backlash against, um, you know, efforts to bring down uh, levels of violence. And that's what we have to be working with, Darren. Leslie, now you say Massa Mignani have been fighting this fight, if you'll excuse the phrase, for more than 30 years. Is any yes. progress being made from the distance of headlines? It seems things are getting worse. Well, it does seem uh, from the headlines. But remember, we now have greater transparency and greater accountability, which is why you are, we are reading about and, and being made aware of the violence that is taking place in our society. But I think... There has been a lot of uh, change, and the change has been in the education with young women that has taken place. Not enough work has happened with men and boys, and that's really where a lot of the work has to also has to be done. It's not an either-or situation as work with both men and boys and women and girls. So, uh, and then I think the reporting around it has improved, um, and then the responses to that have, to some degree. Um, you know, improve, but we continue to see failure by the state in actually responding to this appropriately. And that's where we are still very challenged to work. And it's about really working with men and boys at a deep level to unpack that unhealthy masculinity. There is no program in this country that actually addresses that. There really isn't a program that addresses that. And it's not the responsibility of NGOs like ourselves. The work we've done in empowering women and to and to build women's agency, uh, that shows, clearly shows how women have progressed in a small measure in the country. So I'm not making a sweeping statement that all women, you know, are benefiting from that. It's a very small win because it's done by a limited number of NGOs, women, women's-led NGOs with very limited budgets. The big budget, the money is within the state and the state has yet to um, respond more uh, succinctly and accurately to the needs out there. The, as I said, we've got the biggest actual 
political commitment at the moment. But it's still not. You know, if, it, if it's invested in one person or 10 people, that's not enough. We have a country of almost 60 million people. You need massive programs that go out there and actually work with communities to change uh, unhealthy norms within the com- communities. And this unhealthy norms, which, which uh, is patriarchal and causes inequality, it's a big, big, big change that happens. Why doesn't it happen? Because there is a political economy that supports the subordination of women. There's a political economy around that. And I think that's important for us to be very aware of and to look at how do we change it. Why why would, um, you know, those who have the power actually invest in that change at community level? That's a, that's a question we have to ask. And when we talk about power, we're talking about religious leaders, cultural leaders, traditional leaders. We have to talk about those that have the economy in their hands. Um, those are the people that we are, you know, who actually have vested power, and uh, it is not, it is not in their interest to actually uh, change that those those um, you know the circumstances. So we still continue to bring more winners. What we are seeing, I mean, I'm, I'm just busy. We're having a big event on the 22nd and 23rd called, called an accountability dialogue, and we've been able to get the deputy chair of the National House of Traditional Leaders to attend that. And that means that that there is change happening. Do you think enough is being done in practical terms by the state with initiatives like that? You're often told that, look, we have Women's Day in August. We have 16 days of gender-based violence that we draw attention to in December of every year. Critics say... I think I've been very clear in saying that, that it's not. We have political commitment at a high level, but bringing that down to the local level and working through the various layers at the provincial level, district level, community level, that's not happening fast enough. And there is massive resistance. There's absolutely massive resistance to it. So we have to you know, accept that there's much more work that needs to be done. There's an opportunity now to shift that. Um, and it has been named a pandemic, so so the responses are increasing. Um, there's more money out there. We have the gender-based violence fund that is, you know, working with women's groups on the ground, providing that support. Not all of it is documented. What we hear is the bad news. We don't hear the good news that's actually happening. So. Uh, and I think the media plays a role in that, in that they, they don't really look for because because good news doesn't really sell. We have to be, you know, and that's what that's part of the political economy. And, you know, we all have to take responsibility to, to work on this issue very strongly. We often hear that many cases of gender-based violence, if not the majority, some people estimate it might be, are not even reported. Are you able to keep a reasonably accurate track of this scourge, what the, the numbers are? No, we can't keep. Uh, look, I think I think I, I agree that many uh, cases are not reported, and that's because communities don't have the confidence in the criminal justice system that they need to have. So that's that's a stumbling block. That's a challenge. Um, when you do uh, report to the police, there's another uh, structural problem in that the police are measured against crime reduction. So there there is a resistance to report recording, um, you know, cases that are reported to mm. them. And that's a big obstacle. That's a huge obstacle. And we've been talking endlessly 
to um, the police to sex about this uh, this obstacle, but that's the model of policing that they use. So you you know when I when we when I say this, imagine that obstacle, how massive that is, because sex as an institution is enormous. It's enormous, and it also is very male-dominated, so they don't necessarily see what the challenges are that we bring you know, to them uh, for scrutiny and for consideration. So that's only one you know, element of it, and then you have all the other elements. You've got health, you've got education. They move faster and better when responding to this. But these uh, other institutions like steps, like the military and so forth, they don't see necessarily see, um, you know, the challenges that women bring to the fore. And to change those institutions is, is enormous. And now we see that there are efforts made. They bring more women into their leadership roles. You know, they try to, to have a gender analysis. But it's still in conflict with how men see themselves in society against the roles that are assigned to women. Um, the churches have just such a big, they just such a big institution, and not just churches, but religious institutions, because they are mainly male-led. And they, again, the political con- economy comes into play. Um, they don't have an invested, a vested interest in actually um, bringing about equality within the church. I've seen, I've seen initiatives. I've seen really great initiatives like the Sacred Churches Project and so forth. And those uh, initiatives are aimed at addressing inequality, but they're not sustainable and they are not long-lasting. So to your question, we have a very long way to go. Um, and I, th- I think there is a bit of progress, but it's like a drop in the ocean, as it were. Thank you for joining us on Behind the Herald Headlines with Darren Mann today. We're speaking with Leslie Ann Foster. She's from Masimanyane Women's Rights International. Have a good day. Gender-based violence very much in the spotlight today. We chat with gender activist Pamela Mabini now. Pamela, thanks for joining us. We've had recent high-profile violent killings in Quebecer. Mother of three, Jacqueline Leander in Algoa Park and physiotherapist Marilyn Schmidt in Richmond Hill. Sadly, violently killed. But it's Women's Month. Marilyn, in fact, was killed on Women's Day itself. Are we winning this fight? It doesn't seem like it. Uh, we're not winning this fight at all. First of all, I will blame our government. Our official, I, will, I will blame our government. Also, I will blame police officials. Because um, you'll find that if the, we, we've been crying and crying out loud for the safety of our women, uh, but you find that uh, uh, what we do is just we waste our time. It seems as if uh, uh, our government is not taking us seriously. They're not hearing our voice. Uh, each and every time when we raise concern about uh, the safety of women, for instance, there's a, um, is it, uh, that lady, is it a psychologist or what, the one who was attacked in Richmond Hill? Physiotherapist, yes. Yes, physiotherapist. And then there's a lady by the name Ayanda who was attacked uh, and they, uh, she was missing. And then all of a sudden they found her car uh, in Kucha and uh, her body was banned. They banned her body. Terrible. Imagine the lady who's a physiotherapist. She was. I believe that she was at her own place 
you, you, can you see that we're not even safe at uh, in in our own spaces? Mm. We are not safe. We are being attacked. So um, I believe that, um, especially here in Kabecha, uh, there's a lot of crime that is happening, especially in Central. There's a drug happening. There's human trafficking that is happening there. You tell me, what is it that our police officials are doing for that? Is there any action that they are doing? No. There's the rape cases activities that are happening. So you ask yourself, you ask other people, exactly, exactly, what is it that we need to do? Because we've been crying out loud for help. We've been crying out loud for, 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 for plans to sit down and see what is it exactly that we need to do. If the police officials are, are not willing or this fight, this, this fight um, they are battling to fight this um, crime that is happening, what is it that, why can't we gather together and plan exactly what is it that we need to do? There's not a lot of rape cases. And you find that um, you go and press charges, but then it's not going to go anywhere. Why are we being failed by our justice system as well? And then they will tell you there's a lack of evidence. There's a lot. Uh, I mean, it's too much. It's too much. The fact that these crimes that we've mentioned have been happening in what is Women's Month in South Africa, the month of August, uh, bring them into stark and brutal contrast. The state, who often have the finger pointed at them, say that, well, we have a Women's Day where we try and draw attention to these issues. We have 16 days of activism every December against gender-based violence. Do you feel that's just lip service? I will say, it, 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 in fact, you know what, Darren, it's not, it was not supposed to be like that. A gender-based violence awareness is supposed to be every day, each and every day. Women's Month is supposed to be each and every day. Gender-based violence activism, it's supposed to be um, every day. Not only because they act, even officials, they act only when it's that period. Remember, it's just a short period of time when there's an awareness or an activism of 15 days of activism. So uh, I feel like we are being ignored. They are ignoring us. We are not safe at all. Sure, I think that's why I asked you, do you think it's lip service? Because that's what the state will it's point towards. Yeah. It is, it is, it is. It is a lack of service. And it it's, is a lack of service. Because it's a philosophy that should be embraced every single day of the year, as you say. How many times they've been uh, doing in Vieso? How many times they've been doing uh, seminars? How many times they've been doing all this and the president is present, is, is, is they will always be there. Pekitaile will always be there, but there is no action. I will say there is no action. I mean, Darren, we're not even safe. These days, we can't even take a walk in the evening. Let's say you just want to go to take a walk and go to a shop, run about uh, seven, eight. It's not safe at all. If you are not being attacked by, uh, you are not being raped, you are not being uh, robbed, you are being killed. I think we'll leave it on that note, Pamela. I know it's an emotional issue for you and for, it should be for all South Africans. We all have wives, we all have daughters, we all have mothers. Let's hope that we can all fight this scourge together going forward. Thank you so much for joining us on Behind the Herald Headlines. Pamela Mabini, she is a gender activist. Thank you so much, Darren. Thanks for having me. 
That was today's edition of Behind the Herald Headlines with Darren Mann.